Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, I would just like to thank our sponsors, Lori Bedke and Creighton University. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode is Ashley Bartholomew. And Ashley is an ICU nurse in El Paso, Texas. She's also an Air Force veteran. And she spent the last weeks of October and the first weeks of November working in the COVID-19 ICU as a nurse at her El Paso hospital while that city was experiencing a surge in hospitalized patients and unfortunately a surge in COVID-related mortality. After that experience, she shared what she had been through in a Twitter thread, which has since gone viral, and her Twitter feed is at TheBlondeRN, and there's a link to her feed in the show notes. And it's a moment in time where she came face to face with the impact of disinformation, a patient who was in the ICU, critically ill, still denying what was happening to them, still dealing with the impact of disinformation and her subsequent response to it, the way that her emotion and her demonstration of her own humanity actually helped to change the mindset that this patient that she was working with carried. It's an incredible thread. It's gone viral. She has been amazingly transparent on multiple media platforms discussing this thread. And in this episode, we we look at the thread, but we wanted to take a bigger picture of it. So we're looking more at like, what is El Paso like as a city? You know, this is happening in one of our cities as we speak. And what kind of a place is this? I've been to El Paso. And as I shared in the episode, I had my first Whataburger when I was in El Paso. And she really paints a, a wonderful picture of this incredible American city that's just under a tidal wave right now. And we also talk about the idea of how we can confront misinformation and whether our previous ideals of professionalism might be getting in the way that our inability to show our emotional side because we fear that it might violate some tenant of professionalism may actually be a barrier to communication and maybe a barrier to having impact with the people that we're helping to take care of. And also this this whole idea of heroism and being thanked for service, how these things can be dealt with and how being told that we're heroes can actually feel kind of dehumanizing and make us feel even more separate and more apart when all we want to do is feel like we're part of the same continuum as everybody else. It's a really remarkable perspective. Ashley has been incredibly transparent after what was a very, very difficult experience. And it's really helping all of us to learn and improve and get better. And and I'm really appreciative of all that she shared in this discussion and all that she continues to do. Before we get to the discussion, I want to just invite everyone, please, to subscribe and rate Explore the Space. 
wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at ETS show. You can email me mark at explore the space show.com. And the whole archive of explore the space is there more than 200 episodes of incredible content. www.explorethespaceshow.com. Please share with your friends and your colleagues. That all really helps the show out as well. I was fortunate to record this episode with Ashley in the midst of what is an incredible time for our nation, incredible in ways that we don't, I think, fully understand and where we don't know what the end result is yet as we deal with the surging COVID-19 pandemic across the United States. Any opportunity that we have to improve not just the way we take care of people with COVID, but how we help combat misinformation is essential. And I think Ashley has provided us with some really important tools here. It's amazing to have a frontline nurse on the show as well. The courage, the bravery, the tenacity, the sheer effort, force of will that is required to do that work is just incredible. And so it's an honor to get to speak with her. Without further ado, Ashley Bartholomew. Ashley, welcome to Explore the Space Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You are in the middle of a very strange whirlwind, having just exited another very strange whirlwind. You were in the midst of working in a COVID-intensive care unit, and now you are in the midst of a media whirlwind. Have you had a chance to even catch your breath? Right. Um, no, no, I have not. Uh, fair <laughs> um, enough. Been, fair enough. It's been surreal. Um, I yeah. wasn't really expecting all of this. So, uh, you know, jokes on me that I thought that uh, <laughs> this was my week off. Right, right. There's obviously a ton of places we could start. Uh, you shared this remarkable thread from your work in a COVID-19 ICU setting in a hospital in El Paso, Texas. And I actually want to just start with that sort of broad overview of El Paso. Your Twitter feed has become red hot. I've been following you for a while, and I think actually you do an amazing job on that platform. You posted a picture. I think you may have retweeted a beautiful picture of the El Paso skyline, I think at sunset. And that's what made me think like, let's just start with El Paso, Texas. How, how do you describe El Paso, Texas to those who may not have been there, may have only heard of it, may not have even heard of El Paso? Before we get into what's happening and what you wrote about and this evolving tragedy that we're seeing there and in so many other cities, just what does it look and feel like in El Paso? I mean, I am talking to you. I'm in a tank top and shorts and it's, uh, you know, a couple of days before Thanksgiving. So that tells you <laughs> right. one thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it It's beautiful here. Um, we love it. The culture, the community opened us, you know, just with open arms when we got here. It's a big, mil there's a big military base here, a, mi a big military presence. And uh, the community is is um, very different. It's a, there was a little culture shock when we moved here. Um, I mean, I from my hospital parking garage, I can see Mexico. I drive kind of on top of, you know, the border uh, divider goes right along the interstate. And so that's kind of odd to like, you know, you're driving long to work and oh, there's another country I could just yeah. like, you know. And so that that's that was a different experience for me, for sure, when we first moved here. And definitely the language barrier with um, in the patient care side of it was was different. Um, but I mean, El Paso is great. There's, you know, just good people here, a very family based community, I would say. So, so it's been a good a good experience. You've moved around the United States a fair amount, too. Do you feel like El Paso, what helps it sort of stand out as an American city? 
yeah, we we moved just about every other summer um, for my husband's career. And so, you know, I've lived in um, a lot of different states and I've had the opportunity to kind of jump into very different, diverse commu- communities. And uh, and that's been really cool to me. Um, I think for El Paso, what makes it stand out is just, you know, the people. They have kind of a sense of community that 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 other cities and states um, don't have. That's kind of a different vibe than other places that you that we've lived. So then when we put that description next to what you've been seeing and what you wrote about, did it give you a maybe a different sense of purpose or a different sense of urgency to kind of raise the flag, to send up a flag to the, to the rest of the world about what's happening in this community that's resonated with you so deeply? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's hard because you wonder, you know, if the rest of the country is paying attention, if, you know, our, our, our governors and our, you know, representatives and our, leaders i use that term very loosely these days are are really grasping what's happening here and so you know the experience that i wrote about you know kind of made me think that in the moment too like wow if this is this the bigger picture right if, if this one patient thinks like this it's not just this one patient it's hundreds thousands millions of people across the country and and we're in trouble do you carry a sense of worry when you're living in a different community and or does it when you're moving to different hospitals and you you're adapting to the new community and you're meeting your neighbors and things like that do you carry the same sense of worry that same sense of what's going on or did El Paso in a way stick out a little bit based on the way you described it I mean I feel like I just kind of I, I kind of just jump in with every yeah. community that we're yeah. in because I know that um you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a limited time and I can't always live my life as if, Oh, well, we're just going to be moving again. So just don't even bother. So I kind of just take it all in every time that we do this as strange as that might sound. I love that though, because like (laughs) my, my journey's so different. I mean, I'm back in my hometown. I lived in San Diego before this for 13 years. California has been home for most of my life. So I identify very strongly with California, but the other four years that I was not in California, I was in Texas. I went to medical school in Houston. And so what you were describing about El Paso, like that resonates. I would go and hang out with my friends at their family's homes all over the state. And it's got a totally different flavor and feel. And it's one that definitely makes you feel very connected. You know, part of me will always sort of carry a little bit of Texas in my DNA now. And and so (laughs) I think that that's why your feed initially and what you were describing resonated for me because, you know, I've, I've been to El Paso and I had, I had my first Whataburger in El Paso and (laughs) these sorts of, yeah. Oh my God. It's the ketchup. Like what on earth have they done? (laughs) Like I need you to send me some now that you mention it. So good. They sell it at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they do. That's awesome. But that's what makes it sticky. Like that's what kind of resonates. But I guess for me too, it also, and why I was so interested in your experiences around El Paso is that we have to remember that this is all part of the American tapestry and that none of these things are happening in isolation. We're all connected in the fact that we're Americans and this is our country and these are our neighbors. We don't always get along. We might not always like each other, but when they're suffering and pain, we have to stand up for one another as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it, it's it's definitely been an eye-opening experience and it's been different and 
you know, a lot of people have deep roots and in our, um, you know, in our type of lifestyle with moving so much, you know, sometimes I'm lacking in that, but I have a lot of branches is what I try to think. think yeah. A lot of branches, maybe shallower roots, but a lot of branches. Um, and so there, it was kind of cool when um, all the travelers kind of came in and, and, you know, we had people from all different backgrounds and all different areas. It came in from everywhere. And it really reminded me uh, in, of when I was in the Air Force and how you have everybody's from a different place, different backgrounds, different walks of life, but we're all there for like a common goal. And when you're, you know, when you're in the shit together with people, I mean, you just bond real quick real quick, um, and you're, and you're there to like, to just get a common job done. And so that was a really cool experience too, not just, you know, with uh, El Paso, but just with um, everybody that, that came to El Paso. Yeah. 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 Do you then feel like that same annealing, that same like forging of a team is happening there now, given all that is transpiring and what we're seeing in the news with national guardsmen arriving to support morgue operations and all of this is that same sense of community. Is it fracturing the community or is it actually, do you think making the community within El Paso at large, but also within the healthcare team stronger? Um, I mean, I, I don't think it could hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, part of my story was um, I was actually, you know, planning to resign because we had a pending move. And um, the day prior to my scheduled last day is when they came to us and said, hey, OR is closing. We're going down to two rooms, emergencies only, and everyone is being redeployed. And so, I, I mean, I've been a nurse for 10 years and of the variety, I get to kind of reinvent myself every time we move. Um, and so I've been in a variety of different, um, areas. And so it, it wasn't foreign to me to be an inpatient or to do like kind of inpatient care where some of my colleagues, uh, you know, they, they've been so specialized for so long. It was, um, a little bit more anxiety provoking, um, to kind of switch over to ICU mode. So I went over there, I saw firsthand, uh, wow, we need all hands on deck. They need all the help that they can get. This is crazy. Um, Because we kind of had a surge of patients mixed with a lag of, you know, FEMA nurses and staff kind of hitting the ground running. And when I saw that the day before my my scheduled last day, which was in October, I was like, wow. Um, and I told my boss, hey, I can stay a couple more weeks uh, and help in the COVID ICU. Uh, and so that's where I ended up being three or four 12-hour shifts a week for about three weeks until the November 13th. So then that brings us into the COVID ICU where you wrote your thread that went viral for lack of a better term. And, and I think it's had a really <laughs> profound impact. And one of the things that I think has been so great about it, even though it's really hard to read, is it's broken out of the social media silo that I think a lot of the content that we all share back and forth lives in. You know, we'll write things that we think are smart and creative and they are, but they don't break out into a wider audience. They don't break out into the platforms that you're seeing into people that just don't look or read or use social media or whatever the case may be. 
Did you expect that to happen when you wrote that? Were you thinking this is this is legit? This is important, and this is gonna this is gonna get some traction? No, not no. at all. Wow. And I think my typos, and now looking back at it, speak. I mean, for the, you know, <laughs> for how genuine it was. Yeah, was yeah, just, yeah. I literally was just writing it like while well, probably like throwing snacks at my kids and like you know chasing a guinea pig around my yard. Like I don't know. <laughs> like I definitely was not expecting this at all. But I, I did have that experience and. It was almost a week prior to when I tweeted it. And, you know, before all of this media storm and, and kind of the thread going viral, I had, you know, some fo- followers on Twitter and stuff with the med Twitter, nurse Twitter uh, community. And I had wanted to share the story because honestly, it like made me like mad, like it like frustrated me in the moment. Sure. But yeah, I. I waited several days because I needed to decompress from everything. And I didn't want to say something fueled by emotions that I would potentially regret. And so when I just decided, you know, to share that experience, uh, you know, I didn't realize that it would get the traction that it did. And and so it it was surprising to me, honestly. I like that you having a little bit of remove from it can still see the the rawness and the uh, I guess the un- almost unscripted nature and the dynamism in it because that's what I love the most about it is that it really just felt like you got out a pencil and paper and just started writing and put out what you came up with where it doesn't it didn't get 15 rounds of edits and sent to friends and colleagues for review it was this is what happened and I'm going to share it and I really appreciated that and I think I appreciated it because for some reason we're not sharing like that either with our patients like you did in that thread right your patient could see your tears we don't do that very well we don't share this stuff very well and at the same time i wonder are we encouraged not to be sharing are our organizations are you feeling this the sense of i probably shouldn't share these things because this might jeopardize my career or my standing or something like that absolutely and i think you know it's interesting kind of the rawness and realness of my tweet and also the rawness and realness of of the story in my tweet and um you know it goes to exactly what you're alluding to is uh, I was empowered because I knew it was my last shift and I knew, okay, I got seven hours left on the clock. Like if this person is, you know, clearly misunderstood, like I was just like, well, all right, let's, let's learn here. You want to hear everything? And, um, and I don't know if, if like you said, in, in healthcare and in nursing and in medicine, if we're, you know, if we're helping our patients by by kind of guarding so much realness from them. It's um, a critical point, I, Ashley. I, I think I you know. nailed it. We, we, we don't know the answer to that, but we all do it. We do guard. I agree with you 100%. You and I, right, you and I have rounded together, basically. We, you know, we, we haven't <laughs> officially, but like, you, you know, I round with the nurses on every patient that I see in the hospital. So you and I have kind of go, spiritually in some way, we've entered a room together and we all do that. We hear and see so much tragedy and so much wonder and joy too. And we maintain a weird level of stoicism throughout it. 
when I'm not in the hospital, I'm not like that. Like I'm a really I'm, effusive, I'm emotional guy and in the <laughs> hospital though. Like people will tell me like, Dr. Shapiro, I didn't realize you had such a good sense of humor. I, I, Cause we, I don't show it in the hospital. It's a, it's a very strange dynamic. I think you've absolutely nailed it. It is. And I, and, um, you know, going back to that moment when like, there I am, as I describe it, basically what I like to say, wrapped in a tarp, because that's what it yeah, feels like, totally. right? Because you're, <laughs> you're sweating your ass off. And, I love that. Um, you're, I'm like, you know. It's hot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sweaty. It's, yeah. I'm thirsty because I've had on all this crap all day, and yeah. I, I haven't, you know, taken it off to really hydrate. I've been working 12-hour shifts. You know, there I am, walk into this room, and, you know, the patient is, you know, the TV's on and it happens to be talking about because I think it was like the 12 o'clock news because I was doing like the lunchtime, you know, glucose check. And, um, you know, he kind of gestures to the the TV like, oh, fake news. Like, it's not really more than a flu. I think I should just take zinc. And he's like saying kind of all these buzzwords. And I'm yeah. like, I just was in such a state of shock that I my reaction was just the only thing I could do was cry. And and it was weird because, you know, you could question like, well, maybe that's not professional. Like, but I think it, in the moment, I I mean, at least with this one patient, um, it, it ended up, you know, working out for the better, but it's hard to kind of make yourself vulnerable because at, at the risk of, of being hurt even more. But actually, um, I think you just nailed the genius of what you wrote. I really do. When you had that kind of cognitive dissonance of, uh-oh, is this professional or not? But then we look downstream. You affected change. Your humanism and, and your display of normal human emotion in the face of tragedy and upset and frustration, you changed this person's insight and opinion. And he said, I'm going to go and try and convince other people that what they're seeing is not fake news. So. It almost begs the question, like, do we as a profession need to begin to reevaluate emotion as a form of professionalism? Because all of the other stuff we're trying to do, our stoicism and strength, it ain't moving the needle. Your display did. And so do you that's the issue. Do we need to start to rethink of what does it actually mean in those moments to be professional if our goal is to impact individual and population level health? Right. I mean, that's definitely a big question for a bigger picture. And and it, it definitely opens up a lot of doors and a lot of questions, especially with, um, you know, a pandemic and with all the focus on public health now. And clearly the reaction, you know, to, you know, just scream at people to wear a mask is, is not going to work. That's right. Um, I agree and, with you. And if I, I don't know. I mean, there's people much smarter than me and in, you know, much, you know, that study behaviors and human patterns. But I I think it's a it's an interesting concept for all of us, even from, you know, the the MD side to the nursing side to 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 all of us in healthcare, you know, all disciplines of what that kind of looks like. And I think a lot of it is we need to change it. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it actually may be. It's a bat better swung by 
nurses because you are in those rooms more, right? You were the one doing the noon glucose checks. It wasn't the rounding physician. It's not because the rounding physician isn't busy and doing other work. That level of connectivity is different. And I think that it'll be a really interesting piece to come out of nursing. Is that is that a place where we can affect change differently? And then how can we all support you so that your careers are still sustaining and fulfilling? But one of the other things about this, and you, you said this before we actually started recording, is that as you've kind of gone through this whirlwind of media, it's like... I'm a nurse like many others. There's lots of other nurses that are doing this and, and it's kind of felt unclear. What I heard from you is it was a little unclear as why it was you that was kind of receiving this much attention, but the, and like, you, you know, me asking you to come on the, on this podcast, but <laughs> you shared this stuff. And I think that also really stood out for me, like this level of transparency and clarity and emotion and all of that wrapped up in, in this short Twitter thread. Like there was, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's cause we're not seeing a ton of it. Do you feel like nurses are, are feeling like they shouldn't be sharing this stuff? Cause there's lots of other nurses that are seeing this. I mean, yeah, I think it is. I think it's a complex thing. And, um, I, I, you know, would be honest with you and say that there's, you know, several of my colleagues that have reached out to me and said like, well, aren't you scared that the hospital is going to come after you? Aren't you scared of, um, you know, the repercussions of this? And I'm like, no, why? Like, this is a genuine story. It's not like I'm talking, I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions and, you know, that's what, that's a, piece that we're, that we're missing. I mean, clearly just looking at like the COVID task force that thankfully Biden has one, you know, on board, but he doesn't have a nurse. So nurses are one of the, you know, we're the biggest discipline with sometimes the smallest voice and why that is, I, I'm not sure, but I think that, or I hope that maybe that this, you know, kind of gets the ball rolling and would hopefully change things for the better. Have you had, just as you've had nurses reaching out saying, I'm worried you might get in trouble. Have you had nurses reach out and say, can you give me some advice? Can you give me some guidance or mentorship onto how I can express myself? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's kind of hard because part of it might just be personality, right? Like I'm, I'm just a talker. And uh, uh, I mean, I, you know, my, yeah, my tweet was a very like heartfelt story with like a lot of dynamic in it, right? Like we said, but, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I say is just, just kind of random and just me throwing out a tweet, right? Real quick, um, you know, when I'm busy doing other things. Um, And I think, you know, part of that is is what yeah, everything's so curated nowadays too. So um, I think there's like a balance um, between uh, between all of it. It's a really interesting point. I think you're right that there is that sense of reading something where it has that maybe a, a sense of it being heavily curated and carefully worked versus something that is a little bit more raw and dynamic and. They probably both have their, they definitely both have their place and their role and they'll impact in different ways. That's a, that's a good one though. That's a, that's a, that's a tricky one. I think that when you have some downtime after all of this, acknowledging that you have a very, very busy life and there's guinea pigs that need to be chased down. (laughs) I'm delighted that you shared that. That was four year olds. We can't forget about them. All right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
<laughs> the seven-year-old chasing the twin four-year-old. Oh chasing my god! The up like all oh, guys. <laughs> oh my god! You, I think you have a future as as doing creating TikTok videos with the with the pursuit in the front yard. But <laughs> I, I think that it is also important though to acknowledge that these are. I think that you've like really helped unlock, like pop the lid on some really important questions for us. I don't know what the answers are, but I'm really excited that we're asking them and that we're looking at one another saying we can look at these things very, very differently. And when we do, we might actually be able to move the needle because like you said, right, getting on Twitter and saying, wear your masks, it's not doing anything anymore. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep the tempo up. We're going to keep the volume high. We've impacted those who are going to impact with social media at this point. I I think, I hope I'm wrong, but I think that we're there. So it does take new approaches and what you did, right. As your, as this thread wraps up and why I think it got so much attention is you did, you changed someone's opinion and that's what we're seeking to do. Yeah. And I mean, I I think that's the thing is that this kind of disinformation, misinformation, you know, the mixed messages that all the way from the a national level down to a state and then our very local level here in El Paso we had the county judge wanting to shut us back down and the Republican mayor bringing him to court over it and overturning it and so I think all of that kind of uh, it, it sends mixed messages to to people which are our patients yeah. and unfortunately in a pandemic and in healthcare you know, mixed messages get mixed results. And we all know that that means more sickness and more death. And I think at the time, like I said, I felt empowered to kind of just share my reality and the heaviness of what all it had been like with this particular patient. And and at the time, it, it like I said, it wasn't that it was just him. It was, what if there if there's millions others that think like this, that could be in a COVID ICU and and still be really questioning the severity of it, we're in trouble. And so part of it was, I felt like a sense of hopelessness, as dramatic as that sounds, but it was just like, wow, this is, this is so much. Um, I, I don't know what more we can do. It's striking to me that that's where it took you because that's not what I got from the thread at all. I actually got a sense of hope from the thread. And maybe it's from that deep depth <laughs> that you had to go to to give us that sense of, wait, this moved the needle? Wow. But it's it's also hard to know that it took you getting into that sense of hopelessness for us to then – like it's that hard. It takes right. that much. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I do have a sense of hope with uh, this particular person that, um, you know, clearly, you know, the Swiss cheese all lined up and he, yeah. he he got the message. Yeah. But on the other side, you know, we unfortunately, if it takes, you know, a heartfelt message and uh, a nurse crying in front of you and a tour around the uh, the ICU, it'll take us 10,000 years to turn yeah. the page on this. That's a good point. Um, it, it, and so I kind of look at it both ways um, by my optimistic lookout and my kind of pessimistic one or or you could say my hopeful and my my reality. Um, but it's good that you're sharing both, right? It's good that we can juxtapose the sense of hope with the sense of hopelessness 
and frustration. It's good that we can be like, yeah, we got one person, but wow, if we had to do all this for everybody, it would take 10,000 years. I love juxtaposition. We talk about this on the show all the time. Like, I love that you're using that because it's, 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 it's more welcoming. It, it's allowing more people to walk with you because it, 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 it's embracing more of our shared experience. Right. Yeah. I kind of, I feel like it kind of opens up the conversation too, because, you know, in, in the times now when things are so polarized and, and people have differences of opinions, you know, people might read it one way and they might read it another. And um, I mean, I don't even have to tell you, like I've, I've been called a quitter and a liar and, and all sorts of stuff. And like, uh, it's like, guys, I, like, well, one, we were moving across the country. So you just like expected me to move, to continue to work and like the rest of my family to move. Like, no. Um, and so that was part of why I was resigning. But um, it's, it's just funny the way that people kind of react. But I think if we do, you know, share and dig deep into to the differences of, of how we see things, you know, we'll find that we have typically more in common than we do. Than, than, than we don't. I agree with you. I think that that's really the, the, the crux of the issue. It's just peeling away so many barriers and defense mechanisms and frustration and all of that to get there. So now you've been in the, in the heat of the lights now for what going on two weeks or so. You're, a you, week, about a week. Yeah. It's been about a week. So, and you've said, right, you and your family are going to be moving and you know, every couple of years you move and the rhythms of life take you to different places. Do you want to stay in the heat or do you look forward to, I, I wrote what I wrote. I'm proud of it. I stand behind it. Going to keep working hard but ready for the light to move or, Hey, I have found some purpose here. I'm going to keep doing this. I want to keep the attention high. Where do you sit in that spectrum? I, I definitely wasn't like expecting this or prepared yeah, for this. And, sure, um, sure. but I, you know, I definitely plan to always be in, in nursing and in healthcare and, and all that. And, and so it's not like I um, was resigning to, to step away from that. And as far as like, you know, the, the, the heat or the whirlwind, sure. Like let's, let's just take it where it goes. And yeah. if, it, if it means that if we bring more, more voices, to what's going on more, you know, shed more light on the situation, then I'm, then I'm all for it. Um, which is, is, is why I said yes to so many different uh, media sources that came out. And, uh, cause I think it's important. Um, and I think a lot of people are fearful of what to say and myself included. I thought, you know, when, when I wrote this and I started seeing things kind of pour in, I even wondered, am I too fragile to, to, to deal with the haters, with the trolls, with, um, am, am I too fragile for that right now? Because I still feel raw from what I just went through. Have you been able to answer that question for yourself yet? I mean, so far I feel good, you know, yeah, um, yeah. it is what it is. It, it, yeah. <laughs> what a saying, right? It is what it is. <laughs> but you've been, I mean, it's, it certainly seems like it, right? You're still doing it. You haven't, I, first of all, I cannot imagine the noxious 
grenades people are throwing at you and yet here you still are right you're still out there sharing being really yeah so but but doing that i would imagine is really difficult and i would suspect that for some people that's a barrier too what have what are the things that have helped you to continue to share and like you said right you want to continue to see where this goes and and not just let it taper off what are the tools right in terms of things that would be shareable, someone else who may want to step into the same thing and start to contribute on social media or write an op-ed or do some media work to share what's happening right there at the at the bleeding edge. What are some of those things that have been helpful for you that others could then take on board? I mean, I definitely don't see myself as like, you know, uh, some expert in this. Um, it, but I, I think some of the, the, you know, the biggest thing is just be genuine um, and, and, like I said before, uh, that's what we're missing um, in so much of our lives is just people being genuine and, um, uh, you know, have the character, the character traits of just integrity. And, you know, what what is like your your purpose, really? And, you know, I was even asked that, like, what was your what was the purpose of you sharing this? And I just thought, what? I don't. I don't know. I I didn't think about why I'm sharing it because, you know, I I share a lot of things that I share, like, you know, there's a guinea pig running across my yard and, um, you know, there's, there's craziness happening, but, uh, you know, sometimes I share obviously more important topics. And so I think, you know, when I, when I thought about it, like sometimes the point of sharing is, is, is to get other people to understand how human we are yeah, to see, yeah. um, you know, what, what things are really like for us. And, um, and I think that's important and, you know, it takes, um, a certain amount of strength. Um, but, but, you know, if, if, if you believe in what you're doing and saying, then, then, then it's fine. I really like that. And I think that what you're doing is a, perfect reflection of this that we're whole people right we cry we we suffer we agonize but we also chase guinea pigs and we move and we (laughs) like food and we exercise and we do all these things and i think that humanizing nurses and doctors and all of the other members of our team right we're all people and we all need to make sure that whatever barriers there are and how people perceive us whether it's our sense of professionalism or whatever the case that we move some of that stuff aside, especially in a pandemic, because it's the shared human experience. Like you said, it's the stuff that we share that's going to help us get through this for sure. Right. And I mean, I think that goes to kind of what you spoke about earlier, um, like the thank you for your service and the, the hero type of thing. It's like, you know, being prior military and then, um, you know, with my husband's career and stuff, I, and now being a nurse in a pandemic, I, I have, or I've heard that, uh, over the years and it kind of takes away the human side of it because I don't have superpowers. I, um, I think of myself as, um, you know, a very normal person. And, uh, I think for us to meet people where they are and to show them that, we're normal and we're human. Maybe that's how we move the needle. And so it, it's interesting. While thank you for your service is not um, a bad thing, it's definitely always appreciated. I always feel somewhat strange, like replying to it. Do I say, 
you're welcome <laughs> or do I say thank you back or because it, it doesn't feel um you know it feels normal for me yeah. um for kind of a lifetime of you know that, that, that I don't know you, you've done this, right? You served in the military. You've worked as a nurse. You you agreed to stay on for an extra three weeks of very, very high risk work in a COVID ICU when your family's like packing boxes to move. Like this is <laughs> this is no joke. This is this is this is this this is the metal that does allow for our whole nation to do great things when people like you in numbers make these sorts of decisions. So it does matter. I do agree with you, though, the use of the word hero, it's somehow difficult because I do. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it does keep us at a remove somehow. Heroes are these lofty things that stand on the pedestal with their capes blowing in the wind. Like, dude, can can we just get some coffee already? Like, can we just not can we not address it that way? I know the intent is right, but it doesn't land very well. And I feel like it does separate us somehow. And it makes us it makes us different. And I don't think any of us seek that we want to do our jobs. We're proud of what we do. But we also want to just function in, in society like everybody else does and not have to worry about perception in that way. So I, I think in some ways it's unhelpful to have that hero nomenclature. And it's also hard too when, all right, if you're going to give us that label, when we're asking you to do things to support us, we need you to do them. And when that doesn't happen, that's, that's difficult. The, the, the flyovers and the being fetid at ball games, it's just, it's not the same when we're asking for basic things and they're not happening. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think that it, it's hard when, you know, I said this, I said this, uh, you know, you call us heroes in the spring and then you're denying our very existence in the fall and you're denying mm. our reality yeah. Uh, yeah. and the gravity of what I'm struggling with just as a human myself, you know, trying my hardest to feel like I'm making some sort of just a drop in the bucket of what this is now. Um, and so that that's hard because I don't have my, my cape or my superpowers to tap into. I'm sure my four-year-olds would just love it if I actually did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that, that's hard. And, and I think it, you know, using those terms, we have to be careful because it, patients will have the misconception that we can just, you know, continue to expand the hospital and just slap up a sign that says ICU. But we all know, those of us in healthcare know that that is not the reality of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, the outcomes will change when there's, when we're overwhelmed and, and that's hard. It is hard. And, and you and I are having this conversation just a few days ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. And we're all looking at what's coming with a sense of, I think, real trepidation and worry that the month of December is going to be a challenging one. But I also know that no matter what happens, and this isn't a platitude because I hate platitudes, but we have <laughs> people like yourself all over the country that will do the best that they can. And I think what you have equipped us with is the knowledge that as we're doing that and as we're seeing whatever comes and dealing with it the best that we can, that it may actually be that our emotion and our whole selves that act, that helps change minds, that that might be the tool that we need to use better, that that might be part of our professionalism and our ethos that will actually change minds is for people to know that, you know what, I'm not a hero, I'm a human, this is crushing me, I'm sad, and we need to connect on a totally different level in order for things to be different. 
Yeah, I mean, thank you for that because even even myself, like looking back, like wow, I don't know if this was the right way to go about this, but but here I am, and uh, (laughs) and so so far it it seems to have worked out, and so I appreciate you know those words because it kind of makes me think that uh, that it was the right thing. I think that when we look back on this whole period in our lives, there's going to be certain things that stand out as being memorable for a wide variety of reasons. Your thread is bookmarked. I reached out to you for a reason. I, I, you know, we talked about curation. I do curate the guests that I have on my show very carefully, and I'm very intentional about that. This wasn't an accident because I think for me it's important at least that what you have contributed to this wild patchwork that we're creating, it's really important. And I think it will stand the test of time, and I think it'll be really impactful. So for all of those things, knowing that your world and your life are different and wild and constantly changing, I'm, I'm really grateful and I'm really appreciative. And I am just delighted that you were able to come on the show in the midst of this whirlwind that you're in the, in dealing with. <laughs> well, thank you. I, um, I appreciate it. I, um, you know, I didn't know that I, if I had the voice for a podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But here we are. Here I, we uh, are. Oh, for sure. Yeah, here we are. Love it. Uh, um, you know, your platform, uh, what, what you do and share on Twitter and on your pa- podcast is, is, uh, is awesome stuff. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. That's nice of you to say. And we've talked about social media. We've talked about Twitter. If people want to find you and read the tweet, obviously I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes, but how can people follow along with the journey that that you're on and that you're sharing so brilliantly? I'm the blonde RN on, uh, on Twitter. So the blonde RN, or you can find me, uh, Ashley Bartholomew is my, uh, is my name. Um, you can start typing it in on Twitter. Um, and, and you'll find me. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And you've done a nice job, too, of posting the various interviews you've done with media platforms. And there's a lot in there. There's a lot for us to think about. You're doing incredible stuff. It's it's heartening, especially at this time of year. So for all of those things and for your time coming on, Ashley, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My thanks once again to Ashley for coming on Explore the Space and sharing so much incredible insight with us. This was Really special, really timely, and really important. Thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thanks so much to you for listening to this episode. There is a ton going on right now. Everyone's time is incredibly valuable. And I'm grateful to you for taking the time to listen to this episode. As we move towards the Thanksgiving holiday, just a reminder as well, please remember to wear your masks. Please remember to continue with physical distancing. Please, please do not gather in indoor spaces for this holiday season. We will get through this together. We will find other ways to celebrate, but to keep yourselves, your loved ones, and your community safe, please make the right decisions based on the best available evidence. It's a privilege to get to speak with you as always. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon. Have a happy Thanksgiving and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com and please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show and you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.